off. Hello and welcome to the Bar Stewards Enquiry podcast. My name's Lee Keys. I'm standing in for Catherine Fry at the moment. Um, and my partner in crime tonight, as always, is John Leng of John Joe's Blogspot on Facebook. If you want to check that out, it's, it's a great page. Lots of fun and uh, crack and good bets. Um, and my website is systembet.co.uk if you do fancy um, having taken a look there. Right, onwards and upwards. John, you've got some news about Catherine's whereabouts. Yes, I believe she was last seen uh, going out with Chamberlain's um, and I've been told they're going to share a kebab and discuss Catherine having her own show in the very near future. <laughs> I'm going to say it's getting quite worrying now. Two, 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 two weeks of absence. I mean, I mean, she she said she'll be back on Sunday, but you know, I mean, she's, if she's get if she's getting cosy with Ed, she still know. hasn't got her keys back from the party at Clarence's. Well, well, yeah. The, what what from the from the chuck your keys in? Yeah, sort of, yeah. Well, you know, I have to confess, I'm worried about her. Yeah, well, we'll, we'll, she she assures me she's back for the sermon on Sunday, so we'll see then. Yeah, so interesting there, interesting information there, John. Um, Right, we've got plenty to get on with uh, in this episode. We've got uh, a cracking uh, television, terrestrial television card this weekend, eight races on ITV. Four, um, and we've got a few interesting questions this week, and we'll get straight on with those. Um, I was rather shocked by this first question. Um, it basically, uh, it's from a Chris Stockhill, and he says, Could you review the weekend's racing on Sunday rather than talk bollocks like you did on last week's show? Cheers in advance, John. Well, I've had dealings with this fella, and uh, I find it very interesting that he wants a review of the racing on the Sunday, because, to be perfectly frank, he, he would learn something if just on Sunday we sat there and read out the racing results. You know? um, so what he would glean from a review um, would be anybody's guess, really. But... Um, yeah. Oh yeah, I, I know the fella. That's yeah, yeah, that's right. Chris Stockhill. Yeah, yeah. Um, he, he he's the sort of guy that 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 goes to um, Marks and Spencer's, right, and you know tries on the underwear and then doesn't buy it and puts it back. You know, he's that kind of fellow, isn't he? You know, yeah, terrible, terrible fellow, really. He'll win the shop at Marks's, but buy at Primark. Yeah, yeah, that's it. Because well, we all know you're not allowed to try them on at Primark. You, yeah, you've yeah. got you've literally got the take them straight to the counter yeah, and that's it so yeah well anyway that's him covered off that's that question yeah so I hope uh, Christopher if you're listening that's uh, that's your answer to that question right <laughs> we'll move on next question is from Adam Webb does Haydock exist in its own microclimate and if you were in charge of racing's terrestrial coverage who would you have as part of it good question for you this John I think Terrestrial coverage, um, Patrick Kinghorn, no question. Oh, yeah, that's that's the guy, yeah, the ATI guy, yeah. yeah. yeah I, I liked him. Um, I'm not quite sure what happened to him. 
Um, but uh, particularly like one day at Cheltenham when somebody barged into him and he looked over his shoulder full of Ellen. When he finished doing his pace to camera, he looked like he was going to go after this fella, which I thought would have made fantastic television. <laughs> um, and I think he could do the Matt Chapman role without actually being Matt Chapman, which would be a massive bonus in my opinion, you know? Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, I can see that. I mean, uh, he was the original Matt Chapman, yeah, but, but yeah. not as bad as Yeah, um, you, you know, I, I really like King Kong, and uh, I, I was disappointed when the, when the sport lost him, to be honest. Um, other than that, I, I think I'd say right are doing a reasonable job bringing it to people that probably aren't all that interested in racing without necessarily going down the Claire Balding holy jihad to make people who hate racing like racing, you know? Which is yeah. where BBC coverage ended up, you know? I mean, it was just a case of it It was on TV on sufferance and Claire was just catering for people that were reaching for the off switch all the time. Yeah, that's that's why where Willie had his box, right? Like, yeah. like Willie, had, they had to give Willie a box to stand on to, you know, to reach the screen. You know. <laughs> anyway, yeah. Um, I mean, my 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 take on things would be, I I enjoyed the the old Channel Four era. Not all the, not all the presenters, but um, if I could bring one person back, if you could keep him sober, it would be Alistair Down, who I thought. Was outstanding at delivery, and he could, he basically could read a situation and 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 get the point across that fitted the moment if, if, so well. Very very eloquent, and and you know, I think he's a, he's he's a big loss to. to he, had, he had some good contacts in like what you'd call the second tier of jump racing as well. There was the odd little sparkler amongst the tips from down half Absolutely, yeah, yeah. If you, you read between the lines, you thought you've had the word for this one, <laughs> you know. Yeah, yeah, that, yeah. That's like Julian Wilson with, with certain yeah. answers, you know, because there's that bit of ego there. They want to tip away into the people as much as they want to collect. I think that's true, actually. I think if you put yourself in that position of of being, say, thrust in, in front of TV cameras, there's going to come a time when you really, really want to give. Like, and, and look and look good by giving a, a, a nice winner. Um, yeah. yeah, that's not obvious, you know. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, yeah, it's good. Um, right, next question um, is from David Greenwood, um, and he says, "Did Nick Rust or anyone at the BHA take a fifty-five percent pay cut and have <coughs> owners' fees reduced fifty-five percent, or is it just the prize money?" And how long until owners end up deserting the sport in their droves? Well, I can start off on this and and say it, it's absolutely bang on. The the thing with this the the COVID nineteen pandemic is some people have done extremely well out of it. Um, some people haven't, um, and it obviously depends who and what you are depends how well you've done, and. Sadly, for owners in this sport, um, it, we get the massive brunt, and, and I, I'm looking for the exit door as soon as possible, where it's morally right to do so, as in, um, 
you know, I can um, sort of either sell my horses or or do whatever. Um, I'll, I'll be looking for that exit door. So, so, so yeah, it, it's absolutely a pertinent point, and that may, may put racing in trouble, especially when bookmakers require these nine race cards of not the fifty fives and not to sixties. Well, they need paying for, and I can't, I can't see it long term at, at this current rates now. John, your thoughts? Well, all too long, racing has been underpinned by owners like yourself, very much like that. Don't make anything through owning horses, um, and they've just assumed that these people are gone forever. They've never had to produce a business plan, they've never had to produce a sport that actively makes money and yeah. gives everybody a fair deal. And now they're getting to the stage where, hopefully, because I, I don't think this is a bad thing, I genuinely think reality needs to bite in this sport. Because you've still got breeders living like the Sultan of Brunei, you know? Um, yeah. Breeding, overbreeding to top stallions is just getting out of hand completely. Um, because it's, money, it's like having your own version of the Royal Mint if you're on Galileo. You well, I mean, I mean, I remember you saying it a while back about, about <laughs> yielding, yielding prices and, yeah. and how it surprised you, you know? Yeah. I mean, you know, you're on Galileo, you know, and you're getting towards the end of the breeding season, and he's, he's looking like an inside-out pat stand, and you think, oh, well, I'll give him two more jumps, so it's half a million quid. Yeah. You know? um, so, I mean, there's no rationality really hit the spot yet, because there's still a demand for Galileos at the sales, there's still a demand for Kingman's at the sales, you know, and... It, it's lulled them into a false sense of security, you know. Um, and uh, can I just say as well, how refreshing it is to hear from Dave, who uh, the last I heard was forced to desert this spot. And uh, hopefully we'll see him back soon. Yeah. Um, I mean, for those that aren't aware, um, David was uh, banned by the BHA for eight years. Um what they actually had in evidence against him was questionable, to say the least. Um, certainly to ban him for eight years when the likes of Charles Burns are getting six months. And uh, I've had a word with David as well, and he's very keen to appear on uh, on one of our future podcasts. So, so basically that would be interesting uh, to hear, hear David on, on that side of the subject. Another exclusive. Absolutely. Yes, breaking again at Bastard. Um and one final question before we move on to the uh, the uh, ITV uh, fest this weekend. Uh, how would jockeys? This is from Lorne uh, Marvo from uh, from he uh, posts on the internet on 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 the uh, on the podcast uh, Bar Stewards account, and and this is a question online. And he says, "How would jockeys of yesteryear compare with those riding today?" I'm not talking about the obvious ones, i.e., like Piggott, Corfman. Blah blah blah, but the <laughs> likes of Greville Starkey, Joe Mercer, Tony Murray, Eddie Hyde, Paul Cook, um, John, perfect. I think you're the perfect man to give a, a good answer yeah, on that. We'll, uh, we'll give it a shot. Um, the era that Lance talking, a great friend of the show, by the way, 
um, the area that Lance talking about, um, Paul Cook, Eddie Hadpen, like that, Tony Murray, um, I think you probably had four standouts in that area with Piggott, Carson, Edry and Swinburne. And those four, with the exception of Pat, were ahead of the time insofar as they would tend to have their centre of gravity more forward on the horse, which is very much a trait now with the toes in the iron style, pushing the jockey forward. Whereas the other jockeys that were on lists that we're actually comparing with would have the centre of gravity a bit further back, um, which that does have me thinking that the, the other lads were ahead of the time. I mean, Pat was a genius. God knows how he did it, really, um, to to be up there with them others, you know. Uh, but these lads in the 70s and early 80s, they would probably lose points on style and compactness because now we've got this factory t- churning them all out, haven't we, where Perham's got them on a mechanical horse and tell them to tuck their elbows in and, you know, keep, point the toes down and everything. It's all streamlined and lovely. And they pay a lot more attention to diet and keeping off the drink. Whereas, yeah. I mean, we don't know the trouble Tony Murray had with drink, God bless him. Um, yeah. So, I mean, with fitness and style application, all such as that, I'd say today's jockeys win hands down, but they would lose an awful, awful lot in what I would call race savvy. You know, um, there's far too many just sit there like pudding, is looking stylish, but letting it all happen around them. The likes are any hard, there's no way he'd go right, right round the home turn, hemmed in on the fence, about third one back. You know, yeah. somebody get belted halfway across the track when they're straightened up. You know, he'd be out and he'd know where he wanted to be till Furlong's out. Yeah. Um, so I think it's, it's, it's interesting to draw comparisons. Um, I, I would tend to prefer the older style because I, I never, in, in my early days punting, I, I never said, well, I have as many worries about what the jockey might do. I don't know whether it's looking back with those tinted glasses or what, but. You know, I never used to panic over being drawn seven somewhere, you know. Nowadays, I'm worried sick after ten. I, I, I think, I think that's, yeah, I think, I think you're echoing what I think, really, that, that, I mean, you've got jockeys in this day and age, for example, like Shane Kelly, <coughs> and Jamie, Jamie Spencer. The oh, majority, yeah. the majority of the time, they're so stereotypical, they give more or less everything the same ride. Yeah. Um, and, I think the best jockeys over time are the ones that have actually thought it out and thought, I need to be here and I need to be doing this. And if they know that the favourite's one pace, then then they'll sit on its shoulder if they know they've got more foot. They, they, they work. That's what, I mean, Piggott, if ever anybody watches Piggott, you know, from, say, any younger listeners to our show, if ever you go back and watch footage of Piggott, you'll be quite shocked at how... Uh, it's not like Willie Carson in a driving finish, or it's not like it's not strength and brute force. 
with, with Piggott, it was it was basically get a horse to, to just just travel. Like I said, the balance of the man, and also tactically, uh, he, he was. You can set them by dropping your hands then. Yeah. No, you're, you're not getting the bit right up in the mouths and then they can take off with you, you know? Yeah, good question, Lon. Um, that concludes the questions. And um, now we've got uh, eight races to go through. Um, some some races this weekend, uh, not not the biggest fields. Um, you, you know, it's kind of typical for the, for the time of year as everything is wrapped up in cotton wool for Cheltenham. Um, Anyway, the first one we're going to look at um, at the weekend is the 115 at Ascot. That's the Warfield hurdle. Um, Roxana is a short price favourite. Uh, John, did you have any views on this? Just that I didn't really want to take on Roxana. Um, I don't particularly like backing mares full stop, to be honest. I usually give them a swerve unless it's the mares race at Cheltenham, you know, and I'll maybe stick. Willie Mullins selected in a Yankee or something. Yeah. But I couldn't really make much of a case for anything beating this. Not not at the prices, you know, where I'd say, well, I'd have to be with this. Um, I, I just think she should win. I'll probably be making a cup of tea while it's on. <laughs> probably concur with that. Um, just, just something I think worth bearing in mind as well for, for punters in that race would be uh, Jessie Harrington, who trains Magic of Light, uh, the second favourite. Um, she's just one winner from her last 41 runners. Uh, very, very quiet yard. Um, she, she had one bit of bad luck with the sizing Potsy that fell at the last, but that was looking tired and not, not necessarily certain to win. Um, but in general, uh, that would that would that would that would concern me. You know, just one winner from 41. Um, it can turn, as we know. But but if you're looking for Maybe a short price favourite with everything in its favour. Then Roxana with that good third uh, Ascot, you know, be up behind the best two staying hurdlers in training, basically. Um, for staying hurdle farm, that isn't it? You know? yeah, yeah, it's it's very solid, um, and obviously, obviously, with that little trainer form there with the second favourite, kind of might you know inch someone to maybe taking short odds. I, I don't know, but like you, John, it's not something for me at, at that price. Um, okay, we move on uh, from that to the uh, one thirty at Haydock. That's the Rossington Main Hurdle, um, a uh, Grade Two contest. Um, Favorite, I believe, for that is uh, the Tom Simmons runner, uh, Landon Arbor Lad. Uh, any, any, any view uh, on that race, John? Well, at risk of boring everybody after death, I thought uh, Landon Arbor Lad was probably. Almost as good a thing as uh, Roxana earlier on. Okay. Um, I mean, looking at the race, really, I thought probably only had maybe Ginger McCabe's ass to bait. And uh, I mean, for me, it's starting to make his father look like a half decent trainer. So, you know, no. Yeah, it looks like the uh, the years of being assistant trainer to Nicky Henderson might be finally paying off. Maybe he's found the cupboard. That special, that special, that special feed. 
<laughs> um, He's getting the playing their checks right now, isn't he? <laughs> Thanks, sir. You know, that's a vital, vital thing to do before you send their ass out to war. You know, you've got to get that pre race check. Absolutely. And if, so, so, so Landing Arbor, Landing Arbor, lad, definitely respected for me. Um, I'm, I, I'm against you on this. Um, it would be possibly my best bet on the TV races, but as I said, it, it wouldn't be a certainty. But Minella Drama that Landing Arbor lad beat uh, when they met earlier on in the season at Bangor. Minella mm-hmm. uh, Drama that day, I noted that was carrying quite a fair bit of condition, and. And just to back it up, I checked Donald McCain's stats off breaks, um, and he's not so hot. So you know, despite you know, like uh, Donald McCain, you know, being renowned as a, a as a fair, fairly decent trainer, especially around Bangor, you know, like where he likes to front run. I, I don't think Minella Drama was that busy when Landing Arbor had beat him by five. And on five pound better terms, I thought Minella Drama, who since obviously bolted up twice from trees, really, but. Um, I thought he would have a squeak of turning the form around. So that was that was my that was my take on it there. That a fitness edge for Manila Drama. Uh, quickly moving on then uh, to the uh, next race we've got. Uh, that's the 150 at Ascot. That's the Holloway's handicap hurdle um, over two miles, three furlongs. John, any any views in this? Yeah, I thought this was probably the most interesting race on the card, really. Um, Warlord, um, I thought this got a stinker from our power last time. I thought it was giving far too much to do on really shit ground, you know. <laughs> we, uh, we, love, we, we love taking on a puppy power horse, don't we? Yeah. And, yeah, well, we do and we don't in this case because is this a jockey upgrade? He's been replaced with Decky. <laughs> so, you know, oh. I mean, we could be tasting mud pies at the second or third last. So I'm afraid I went to give Warlord the swerve despite thinking that we'd probably see an impro performance here. And the other one I was worried about before on company selection was Popeye's horse, Craig and Ish. I think an excellent bumper profile and looks certain to win races in this area, but um It'll be, uh, it'll be when the Seven Barrows magician wants him to do it. And I, I, just, I just have a feeling this might be a little pop round. Um, so I'll come to the selection. Danny Kerwan. Ah, the nickels run. Yeah, um, palpably failed to stay last time for me, but travelled like Alan Wicker on acid. <laughs> um, it, I think the, the drop-in trip, it moved beautiful on background last time. Um, I think these conditions are perfect for him. Um, I, I think this has a hell of a chance to move. That's, that's a, that's, I, mean, I mean, Danny Kerwan, yeah, I mean, the, the, the drop-back in trip, I think, could suit. Um, obviously very well fancied in the market. Um off a off a off a off a nice nice enough weight off 133 job. Um, I think yeah. so because he, he travelled like a good ass out that Yeah, yeah. Um, okay, I've got a few takes here. Uh, not nothing amazingly strong. I just thought for the stat buffs, um, seven of the last ten winners of this have been rated 143 or above. Um, 
Now, there's not many runners in this contest rated 143 or above. In fact, there's only been 31 runners ever in this race rated 143 or above, and seven have won. So it's a, it's a fair old class edge, as if the class runners come to four. Um, but, I mean, I'm, I'm not going to bed with that stat. It's just something that I thought was interesting. Um, Botox has fits that criteria. Um, and the one thing about Botox has, he will improve for stepping up in trip. Gary Moore's always been worried at two miles whether they go a strong enough pace. He's always said, if you watch his interviews with the past about this horse, he's always said, well, they'll have to go a good clip for this horse because, you know, and this is the first time he gets two mile three. And I, and I think that's got to be a massive plus. Um, Gary Moore impression, by the way. We need Fry back. Well, yeah, well we, yeah, Jelly Deals, yeah. We, yeah. Um, I mean, he's, like I said, the, the yard are in blistering form. Um, they've, they've had a, a right, had it right off in the last sort of seven, seven, ten days. Um, and I thought Botox has at twenty to one plus was was big each way value in that. You know, it's 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 a good horse. You know, no question. To me, um, it is, it is, and and I mean, you can make a case for like Ari Verduchi that broke my heart at Haydock. You know, I've got yeah. big bets, and and he's coming there three out like the wrath of God, and ended up on the deck. Ari Verduchi's that that's been quite well found in the market, but it's a good race that, but. Like you said, so it's uh, Danny Kerwan for John. Uh, I'm going to say Botox has it 20 to 1 plus. Shop around for big each way value. Sometimes they pay five or six if you if you look around. Um, yeah, we move on. Um, next race of the day we are looking at is the uh, we'll move to Taunton for the uh, Weatherby's Portman Cup. Um, and you might diss Taunton tomorrow, but then if Haydock's a swimming pool tomorrow and, and gets called off, then you'll be thankful that Taunton's on. Um, and whether it be Portman Cup, Yala Enki won the race last year um, after finishing third in the Welsh National, uh, which is an exact copy this year. Um, so can, can, can he repeat the dust? Well, I was a bit worried when I looked at this race because I'm thinking... 14 days after a big slog in the Welsh National, that doesn't seem ideal. Um, and that's really probably the only worry. Now, I know he backed up last time, but it, the difference was the Welsh National was run on the 27th of December. Obviously, it's now delayed and it's now closer to this race. So the only question mark for Yala Enke, because the opposition is absolutely turgid and the five to six is a gift if, but then that's the if, you know, Will he, will he bounce from that? You know, he's 14 days enough from a from a third in a slog in the Welsh National. That's the question. Um, John, did you have any p- particular thoughts? I, I couldn't back Yalarenki off that break. I know, you, yeah. It, 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 is, it, is a, it is a concern. Yeah, I mean, that, that was a balls out sort of effort, wasn't it, as well? You know what I mean? Yeah. It's, it's not like he got rid of her at the second and... Gone down with three stone and his packets. He, he, he's had a proper race there, hasn't he? So, absolutely. You know, I've, I wouldn't be strong on anything against it, but I couldn't back it. It's one of them. It, it's another. It, sadly, I know it feels like we're fence sitting, but it feels like another leave. You know, it's like it's like one of them that's sort of just outside the off stump. And you it just, is in the corridor of uncertainty. Is yeah, yeah. You just, just cricket. There'll be, be there'll be better balls to cover drive, let's say. Um, right, two forty Haydock is our next 
port of call, I believe. Um, and that's the Peter Marsh. Um, a, a fun favourite of mine down the years. I've loved, I've loved watching this race. I, I just think it's got quite a bit of nostalgia to it, but maybe lost its glitz in in, in recent times uh, compared to what what you know what what used to run in it. Um, John, any thoughts on the Peter Marsh? Yeah, um, Potter's legend, really. Um, Carson distance winner, fair start at Mac. I was I was looking at these and I thought, well, I want something that will get a reasonably positive red. And I think I think I think Jack will probably sit handy at least. Yeah. Um, I'm I'm never a fan of these chesses when they're, they're getting past ten year old and they've got cheek pieces and tongue tears and whatever. You, but I, I can just about suck it up with this this lad wearing the cheek pieces and because he, he, he caught through the ground that I think he run all right, you know. Yeah, it's a. Uh, I mean, it's. I mean, looking at the what the ground's going to ride like there tomorrow. I mean, you'd literally need. Uh, stamina in spades. And it's it's going to be like a melted bobsleigh run, isn't it? I think so. It's not going. I don't think it's going to be very pretty viewing. Um, and for that reason, I was in the camp of Sam Brown. Um, now, Sam Brown um, for me has got a, a, probably a, one of the key form lines in this. Basically, comes um, into the race with with the best form line. He was trying to give weight away for the likes of Imperial Aura and Windsor Avenue at Carlisle. And he went down with a real fight. Now, the thing with this horse, it's an absolute slop monster. Um, the deeper, the better. You know, it's like if it's knee deep, this horse goes through it wonderfully. Um, and he's, he's won over this course, uh, you know, uh, on, this sort of, on this sort of ground. And I, I, I do think Sam Brown, you know, might, well, I think it'd say, take a bit of beating, to be fair. Um, as I said, what you want is ground, ground's the most important thing, and he's got the best form line, as I say, with 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 the trying to give weight to Imperial Aura, which does look fairly strong form to me. Um, so I was on the side of Sam Brown in that one. Uh, okay, we move on to the three o'clock at Ascot. That's the uh, Bet Three Six Five handicap chase, a, a ridiculously competitive race. Um, I felt um, the one thing with Ascot's chasers, it does suit horses really prominently. People always mistake the Ascot chase courses like, oh, it's a testing track. It's it's the sharpest track there is. I mean, it's on the inside. It's literally you need to be out and away and jumping nicely and and in good rhythm. And and, and I think that's that's the key here. there's, and no, there's no, nowhere good to make your ground up there, is there? No, because if you do, if you have to make your ground up, you have to go wide. And yeah. with it being so tight, it, that's obviously a disadvantage, unless the ground is chewed up. And then, obviously, it's not so much of a disadvantage. But as a rule of thumb, you know, getting in a good rhythm at Ascot is, is the most important thing. Um, I've always been a fan of Windsor Avenue, uh, Brian Ellison's horse. Didn't think it was well ridden at Weatherby. I thought the tactics was all wrong. Ridden too negatively, it didn't suit. Again, I, I revert, revert back to the Imperial Aura form at Carlisle. That's good form. He's got his, his best two races have been right-handed, incidentally. And I would like Windsor Avenue to run well for Brian. Um, I, I hope it can. But uh, again, 
I question Brian and the owners' tactics. Are they going to drop this out again? And I, I, I can't like step forward and go, I want to back this because I don't know what they're going to do. Um, I think um, you've got the idea what they're going to do. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it might be, might be six, six, then go five wide. Um, so if I, I'd say if you wanted more fun for your money, you'd probably do better with the uh, the, the Dashel Drasher, uh, one that Catherine tipped up the other week to win that three-runner chase that we had um, at Ascot, beating beat, beat itchy feet. Um, I think Dashel Drasher loves jumping, gets out, gets on with it. The problem is with this, there's a lot of pace on. So maybe, again, it's a very tough race to read. Uh, though the t- those are the two I kind of like to bet, but I'd have to wait for him running, I think. John, your thoughts on me? Well, just going back to Windsor Avenue, I think this is a perfect example of uh, a jockey getting off one and telling the trainer something, the trainer reacting to that rather than the fact. Um, I think... I'm, I'm guessing, but I think Quinlan's got off this at Weatherby and come in said he didn't see it out. Whereas really what's happened, he's got a bit puffed getting to him and uh, two speedier types have quit in the way after the last. Yeah. Um, I, I would have loved to have seen Persevere at three miles at the time being with that one. Um, I, I, <laughs> yeah, I, I agree with that. Get yourself a, a, I'd, I'd love to say win for Brian because I think you could deal with a nice winner. Yeah, I think um, he's due this year. Yeah. Um, but I just can't see in this race. You know, uh, I think I, I felt thought I'd, I'd spotted one here with um, Domaine. What's it called? Domaine De, Delisle. Um, I think yeah. we've got a reasonable jockey upgrade here. This, this hasn't been jumping well. But as a result, it's uh, it's on a reasonable mark in this, thanks to that. Um, and I think it's it's had some of the quieter stands the last five rides. I mean, it's had Brian Yeo's who sits very quiet on him. Sean Bowen, he, he lets him run down fences and... James Davis, I mean, you might as well put a ghost on. Um, you go back to his last win, we had David Bass up, bullying it and making its mind up and kicking it into fences and all the rest of it. The blinkers are going on the first time, I'm expecting them to be very, very positive. Yeah. It's only eight-year-old, so it's not as sour as some of these will be. I think 14 to one's quite sporting in a fairly competitive race. Certainly, a little bit of value there at fourteen. Yeah. Well, that's it. I mean, I think I think that summing that race up basically, it literally will be whatever gets the run of the race. I mean, th- there's plenty of lining up on the front end. Whatever gets in that nice early rhythm, is probably going to halve in price after about three fences. Um, it's yeah. that ki- it's that kind of race. It's um, a certain sort of race way that you'd recommend planning running, really, wouldn't you? Having a look for it. It is really. You could look after one or two fences and think, "Yeah, that's that's what that that's where I'm going." Kind of thing. Yeah. Um, okay, we move on again. Tricky race there. Three fifteen at Haydock. It's the new one hurdle, um, sponsored by Unibet. Um, and Popeye sends one here. Uh, Bouverdere after four years off. Um, we've no idea if it's been in a field at Martin's Town. We don't know. 
We don't know if it's had anything. We, we don't know. We're absolutely clueless on this. I mean, I mean, I, I, I mean it's what is it, eight, eight to 13. You know, it's one of them. It could win six lengths on the steel. It could be it could be in trouble by halfway, and everyone's saying yeah, that's him done. And again, as a, as a betting medium, from my perspective, whatever you tip, it's possibly wrong. If if you if you tip Bally Andy, that never seems to win. He's the Jimmy White of the uh, of the, of the, of, the, of, the, of the hurdling world. Um, and then, or if you tip Navajo Spring, that's got a lot to find at the weights. Um, you know, I. I I, I, I have absolutely no idea where to start on this. John, can you help me? I'd, I'd probably go with Jimmy White, to be honest. Um, yeah. I, just because he's fit and ready, you know. I mean, the, the former champion, well, if he wins, we know it's going to be, well, he had a small splint problem. It wasn't a lot. <laughs> you know, uh, and if he gets beat, where he had a heart transplant after his last race. <laughs> you know, so um we are whistling in the dark, basically, with the arse, aren't we? So Yeah. Know, I, I would probably just recommend people watch the market and if it looks like the green and gold are hitting pink, well, yeah. just have a bit on Jimmy White. It, it could just be at that moment. Kettle goes on again, and and a bit of pate on first, something yeah, like every, that. Every chance. Uh, <laughs> come here, Digby. Yeah. <laughs> right. So, so we've nothing there to help you with in the uh, new one hurdle, and basically, I don't think anyone could fault us for for, for sitting on the fence there. Um, the final race of the of the uh, TV fest. Is in the uh, three thirty-five Ascot. It's the Clarence House Chase. Looks a cracking renewal, to be fair. Um, as I said, it, it, we've had probably better horses running this, but in terms of it's reasonably competitive and probably worth a good watch. John, thoughts on the Clarence House? I, I really like waiting patiently as a horse because he really made my boxing day the other year. When uh, he tripped over that other horse and <laughs> the ginger Hitler had to ante up to yourself. Yeah. Um, it was a great day. Has Ruth Jefferson actually managed to win a race with this since he took over the license? Um, no. Because, I mean, it, it, it's sad, really, isn't it? Because, I mean, it, it's like the best horse the Jeffersons are going to have anything to do with. And it's gone ages without a win. And you sort of getting into the underachiever category with it now. But I, I think it's got a nice chance in this. Um, Politolog isn't really your, your typical champion chaser. I think it's champion chaser by default, really. Um, a little bit of a reaction to its last win. Um, waiting patiently, you'd probably say this out better as well. Um, I, I think if if this doesn't win tomorrow, I think we're going to start asking questions. Really, needs well, to fulfil its promise. Well, I mean, I mean, everyone sort of acknowledges that it was the best horse in the King George um, by some way. Um, 
you know, there's no way Frodon will ever beat it again if if they go a proper pace. Um, I hope he's not listening. <laughs> or any other Fry fanboys. Well, you know, I have to cope with some defence for, for you know for that. Um, but yeah, I mean, the the drop to two mile, it's interesting placing, don't you think? I mean, what's the thinking behind dropping so so drastically in trip? I mean, I. I mean, there's there's two arguments here. They could go absolutely, you know, balls deep ballistic, and set it right up for it. Or then again, something might, you know, like like Politolog might just get an easy on the front, and then you, you know, you, you're probably goofed. Um, I mean, the other thing, definitely assert. That's my lay in uh, in the race because I I don't I think he's gone. The, the last two races have just been there's something just completely not right, um, and I, I, I'm, I'm dead dead set against him, especially around. I don't, you know, like Ascot's quite sharp as well, and if and if you do sort of miss one out or you do, you know, you sat you sat towards the rear. I, I just don't. I'm not a fan of of Defida, so, and I, I'd be uh, I'd be a layer there, but that that'd be my play. What wouldn't you give for somebody like Tommy Carmody riding, waiting patiently tomorrow? Well, exactly. You know, he'd bump him off Andy at least. He might even lead. He'd kick him into every fence coming down the side of the track. You know, yeah, he'd be overturning him. Again, it's an, in- an intriguing race that, you know, I'm going to have to bottle out of, of giving a selection myself. Um, but as I said, I will be I will be laying definitely to sir. Um, that's providing the odds are right. Um, that'd be my play in McLaren's house. Okay, John, what, what would be your best uh, uh, TV bet on the card? Mm, I think right probably Danny Kerwan. Danny Kerwan. So Danny Kerwan for John in the 150 at Ascot. That's a Holloway's handicap hurdle. And my best bet, uh, as I sort of hinted earlier, is in the 130 at Haydock, the Rossington main uh, Minella drama to reverse the form. Uh, with Landon Arbor Lad. Um, so that's our best two for the uh, TV action. Um, John, any other business this weekend that would be interesting for punters? Um, well, it might be interesting for people who like to take the mic, um, because once again, I find myself following Campeador into the unknown um, in the 157 at Navan. Um <laughs> He, uh, he he just has to be off at some point shortly, and you know if not, I'm probably going to lose about three hundred quid in its next three runs. <laughs> you know? And I've resigned myself to that. It's like it's like the old Martingale system. You, you just keep keep backing Campion up. You just got to keep plugging away now. You know, I mean, he, yeah, he's. Uh, He's got a good straight left. He keeps hitting me square on the jaw, but I can't seem to get me right up to block it. Um, I'm going in again tomorrow. What can I say? Well, I can't fault it because, like you said, there's every chance that at some point this season uh, the handbrake might be uh, released. Um, so that's Campiador for John in the one. Is it 157 at Navan, John? 157, yeah. 157, yeah, these funny times. Throw I, bet, I bet that's off to 10 as well. Yeah, at 2.01. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, right, yeah, well, 
just just to put everyone away this 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 weekend, then we'll go for a green and gold double as usual, where they 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 both probably end up fifty to one on the machine, and you know, and uh, yeah, uh, my bet is also a green and gold. Um, he has too many well handicapped. One hundred five Taunton, um, I thought was interesting. Milrow has now. This is not obviously well handicapped because it's shown absolutely nothing. <laughs> but but the thing the thing the thing that's most intriguing is the weight of cash there was for it last time at Yatoxita off a mark of ninety seven. Well, we all know that the weight of cash means quite a bit, um, and so obviously they expected this horse to be very competitive off ninety seven. And whilst he did disappoint, um, I think it's encouraging that. He's, he's been given sort of like nearly three months off, a wind up, um, and Aidan Coleman straight in the saddle. You know, no, no messing with the B team. It's get get Aidan get Aiden on this. Um, and Neil Mulholland, it's interesting because he does very well with horses when he decides to uh, tinker with the wind. Um, very, very good strike rate. Um, makes a profit, makes a blind profit. Anything that Neil Mulholland runs, in a first time with a first time window makes good money. So that that to me adds up to a big performance from Milro has tomorrow at Taunton. But obviously having said that it's a disclaimer. It is the green and gold. We know well, what they're like. If, if, if there's no performance tomorrow, it must be heading for that retirement field where there's the machine gun nest in the JCB waiting for him. Well, that's it. So, so, so me and John, we've got we've gone for two green and gold uh, off the TV races. Um, and uh, I, that's about bringing the show to a close. Just a reminder that um, the Sunday sermon, it's our new show, takes place on Sunday evening. Give it a listen. Um, it literally is. We're, we're going to uh, read three racing results out for Stockhill. <laughs> it, it literally is um, pretty much uncensored without lawyers wanting to get involved. Um, and, you know, the, it, it's a cracking listen. And that's every Sunday evening where we chew the fat over the uh, the week's racing event. So that's a Sunday sermon on Sunday. And I, I, I am the inside info mole has told me Catherine Fry will be back for Sunday. So just for Catherine Fry, it's worth a listen. Forget us. Right. That's all from me uh, and John. And we'll speak again on Sunday.